0: Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's com slash wondery. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, and a proud member of the at Sports Network. I'm Drew, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Ben.
1: Thanks, Drew, and thank you all for joining us. For those new to the show, your timing is impeccable. <laughs> Each episode, Drew and I will sample craft beverages, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight.
0: We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for a detailed archive of our show's history and self-indulgent witty retorts. On this week's episode, Drew and I say goodbye on this, the
1: series finale of Wannabe Walk-Ons.
0: Join us for a recap of the Iowa game and an instant reaction to the 2023 regular season. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons.
1: Well, Drew, we we did it. I'm out of breath because I just sprinted across my basement because <laughs> I, I forgot that. to grab the the alcohol we're drinking so that I could talk about it. And uh, but it, it, it's it's fitting to be exasperated as we reach the finish line. <laughs> and I am just who I am out of breath from a, from two weeks of COVID and hitting the end of the regular season and hitting the, the end of our series and just just a whole lot of things coming to an end.
0: Yeah, this is it's all coming to a point right here.
1: Yeah, but you know what? It feels it feels like an ending, mm-hmm. but it also feels like a beginning. Does it? I think so. In what way? Uh, in the sense that we're gonna we're gonna be beginning. Uh, well, <laughs> in 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 sincerity, I I turned to my wife and and she was saying, you know, are you excited for the last podcast episode? Are you gonna be sad? How are you feeling? And I go, you know, I'm gonna be sad. It's it's been awesome weekly to be able to hang out and talk football and just talk everything in general and and have some nice laughs and it's been helpful you mentioned this last week that it's been helpful the way that the football has gone yeah to have an outlet to it's therapeutic yeah it really is yeah um but but i was like I'm, I'm gonna be sad but i'm also gonna be happy to return to life as a casual fan she goes
0: you are not a fucking casual fan <laughs> <laughs> no casual fan would have done this for three years and i go, would never
1: have gotten the idea i go no no, no. like I, I mean like to be able to to focus on work when it's early signing day, or or to not be so concerned with who the staff is, and she's like, you are gonna be obsessed with all of that shit. Yeah. So, Why? Well, yeah. I've been <laughs> I've
0: been getting texts from you for years. Like happy <laughs> n- happy National Signing Day. It's like six in the morning. And well, I get up yeah. early. Well, yeah, yeah you got to be up for the first fax. You yeah. Know, to, to come in. Do they still I, fax?
1: I'm. I think they do I think actually. They I think that's kind crazy. of the. It's the
0: only thing that's keeping the fax industry alive right now. Yeah. Is signing day, but yeah. Um yeah I agree. It's going to be nice to go back to that. Um I was just I'm the same way watching like watching games. Um it's been like h- half my it's like splitting my brain in half. Like half of me is very like emotional watching it involved um from a fanatic sense um which is what I like. Like that's my favorite thing yeah. about it anyway. Um in the game in the moment, but then the other half is like okay, but we also have to like analyze and think and and you know, try to remember that player, this thing and um, and like, I'll do a little bit of that, but, um, it, yeah, it just it it's just, it took up too much of my brain space. I want to be emotive during games, sure, purely emotive. And then when the game is over, I want to be able to step away. Sure. not have to dive right back into that <laughs> cesspool.
1: Well, Hey, then maybe, maybe, <laughs>
0: um, you'd be a fan of more Friday games. Cause
1: then you get a chance, you know, like we had a lot of those this year where we had a lot of, you know, off night games. And, and so you got to step away and then come into it on a Sunday. So you you know that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So no, this yeah. has been this has been your favorite season <laughs> we've
0: covered is what you're saying. Um no, no. Uh Friday night games can go to hell. The only only Black Friday is the only Friday we should have. That's fair. Yeah. That's a good one.
1: Well, uh, let's let's move into talking about the uh the last bits of alcohol we're going to be consuming uh well just for the show. <laughs> well, I was going to say well <laughs> oh, okay, on record yeah. Unless things go horribly awry in our lives and we're sitting in a very sad deposition where we're on the record while drinking alcohol, which might make depositions hmm. more fun,
0: I Maybe mean, be more honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, that might be a, a good podcast. <laughs> depositions while while drunk. Uh, today we are enjoying uh, some old fashions, but we're using a very special whiskey that you were kind enough uh, to gift me for this final episode, and that is the Dave Remington Custom Blend Remington Trophy uh, from Three Cord. It is a, uh, a really, really fun and wonderful whiskey. They only produced uh, 1,040 of these bottles. Uh, and and the mash bill being 77% corn feels very fitting yep. for a, uh, a whiskey. Dave um, Remington also is 70, 70% corn. So Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, this is a, a, a kind of a maple forward whiskey. It, it's uh, 50% of the whiskeys that were used in this blend were finished with maple uh, and then the other 50% is just an Indiana straight bourbon. Uh it it pairs really nicely with the orange uh that we we put into this uh uh into this old fashioned. Yeah. But the bottle itself is a way of raising funds for the Remington Award, the Remington Trophy. Um and
0: you had a funny story about your wife not knowing. She had no idea who. So she went, yeah, she ended up stopping And She just happened to be there on a on a little run. Um and, and she was like, "Oh yeah, she's doing this or yeah, they're doing the Dave Remington signing today. Um, it was in like 45 minutes. She's like, I'll just kind of like poke around. I'll hang out. We'll get that bottle. I was like, perfect. That's very sweet of you. So she did that. Um, she, she got in line and she, as soon as she steps up to Dave Remington, she goes, hi, I have no idea who you are, but I hear you're a legend and I'm supposed to get a bottle. (laughs) She's just, she's so sweet and honest. Um, but yeah, so I because I I explained to her like this is who you're meeting. They named a trophy after this guy. Like he is he is the, um he's the athlete at his position in college all of college football history. Yeah, um he's he's an, he's a Husker legend, you know. And and so, um it was yeah it was just funny. So she got to meet him. She got to sample it. She is not a bourbon fan. But, yeah, and uh, that's fair. I knew yeah, that about Melanie. Yeah, but she was you know yeah she did us a favor and, and yeah.
1: Well, thank you very much, Melanie, for for waiting around, and for talking to Dave. Uh, we're on a first-name basis, he yeah. and I, because I absolutely <laughs> do know who he is. Uh, but thank you as, as well for bringing this bottle forward. I was sick. I couldn't go to this signing. I was very excited when I heard about it. and I was like, oh, but I can't be around people, and I don't want to be the guy who they're like, he's patient zero as to why the Remington Trophy <laughs> doesn't exist this yeah. year, because there was no banquet, because everyone was sick with COVID. Yeah. So. So, yeah, that's what we're sending off the podcast with. A podcast about beer, we're sending it off with whiskey, which feels fitting.
0: It makes sense. For the
1: end of this season and, and for the way things wrapped up, but also to be celebratory. Um, yeah. To drink our sorrows and, and to have a, ha- a place for our happiness to
0: I think whiskey straddles into. straddles that line between, like, sorrow and celebration. Yeah. It's bittersweet. It's you a know, bittersweet booze. I, I'm not one to, to really turn to whiskey and sorrow. It always feels
1: like a celebration. Um, I'm sure I've quoted sideways the, the film before, uh, but there's a great moment in there where they've got a really special wine. And they always talk about like, you have to wait for the perfect moment to open up that bottle of wine. Um, and then another character is like, no, the wine is the moment. Yeah. The, the whiskey is the moment. And so anytime you get a chance to crack open, try something new, something special, you know, that's the moment. So I'm very grateful for this, for this moment. Same. Awesome. Well, looking back on the year that was 2023 for this podcast. I always do a season wrap up of of what we drank, what we consumed, uh, what we had on air, and I just wanted to play the guessing game with you. Basically, did you did you do that too? I really hope you didn't.
0: No, I well, I kind of looked back because I I made my own list of of my your you favorites, know, my favorites. Okay, or the ones that stood out. Um, okay, but I did not. I didn't actually like count or research. Okay, so so
1: number of different craft beverages we consumed. Uh, over the course of the 2023 podcast does this
0: include the off-season bonus yes
1: this includes everything
0: Mm. i know it always hovers around 60 i don't feel like we did quite as many this year so i'm gonna say we're right in like the i'm gonna say we did like 48 Ooh, very close okay um the uh the
1: spread there was was actually a little bit higher than nebraska iowa it was uh it's 51 oh by three so we had 51 different craft beverages um, we had five different distilleries, so we drank five different whiskeys. We had four cideries, yeah, and we had twenty five different breweries. Dang, on the show this year,
0: almost, not quite half.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, cool. What do you think was our most popular uh, style of beverage?
0: Cider cider was close okay i was like i know we did a lot of we did ciders. a lot of
1: cider this year because you were like i like cider i was, on and board. I was like I was on all board. right well let's yeah. do some cider so cider came in second we had six different ciders on the show
0: okay dang what else would we have had that many of
1: this surprised me this number surprised me normally it doesn't tilt this way yeah but it tilted this way
0: i get i mean i don't i want to say maybe ipas just because they own the market ipa
1: was ipa was close the trouble with ipa is we actually had a a a wide variety if you if you count like black ipa hazy ipa new england IPA, Uh, all the different styles yeah but i break those up because i think that that's fair you know a west coast and and an east coast ipa two wildly different styles of beer okay uh that share the same name so i don't i don't count ipas as one total that would have probably if on on first glance uh two three six that still would have come in second place wow so there was one style of beer that we drank seven times, and this feels like such a low-key steal for the win. Yeah? Was it just a lager? It was just was it Okay. Yeah. Nice. We had seven different styles of lagers, um, and then third place, not counting the IPAs that I just counted up. You want to take a guess at what third place was? This one also surprised me. Oh, it surprised you? Yeah, because this, okay. is a, this isn't a style I think that you and I seek out. Mm-hmm. I think it's one that we're like, yeah, we'll enjoy this um it feels maybe more like a summer beer but i was surprised to see that we had uh this many
0: on the list um no we we wouldn't be i know we did a shandy we did do a shandy um you're close with shandy is it is it just be a cream ale because that was one of our show's favorites no cream ales was surprisingly low this year hmm I don't even know. I wouldn't, I don't know. Wheat beers.
1: Wheat beers. Wheat beers. Oh. Not something that we typically, I mean, I love a good wheat beer. Yeah. You know, a wheat beer to me is like just the craft brew, craft beer drinkers like, you know, Coors Light. Yeah. Because they're always going to be crisp and refreshing and a little bit of citrus notes or something like that. Yeah. We had four four different styles of wheat beers. That's great. But we tried, let's see, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21 different beer styles that's pretty on the incredible. show this year we yeah. were really usually it leans a little bit more towards the the barley wines and the and the stouts <laughs> as we're out shopping um uh, yeah. but uh but it didn't this year it was actually really well spread apart
0: i like that a good variety It yeah. just shows you like how much there is out there to to try and yeah and that's not even like scratching the surface not really, even so
1: didn't even begin to dive in i mean if this show uh if we had you know more episodes if we were doing more like the the next one to me on the list would be like Veterans Blend to check that out again Ooh, from yes. Cosmic Eye that's always a that's favorite always great um, and then I'm I'm always looking for the next crazy thing that Jukes does I'm always looking for uh, trying some new ones and then there's still twenty breweries in the state of Nebraska that we didn't sample on the show yeah so we during the course of the entire uh, length of the show we sampled from forty six different Nebraska breweries which. When you go to the supermarket or you go to the store and you count the number of Nebraska breweries, I think we did a pretty damn good job no, of expending sh- well beyond our borders. Yeah,
0: that's solid. It takes it takes a little effort. I know you um, lo- logged some miles to I get did. Out, all the way out to the Scotts Bluff. Um, even, even further, I went out
1: to uh, uh, 719. In, oh, uh, yeah? In Alli- Alliance? Alliance, yeah. So I went all the way out there. And now there's uh, Sydney, I think, has a brewery and Ogallala mm. has a brewery. So man, there's, there's miles to be had. Yeah. So. But worth, worth the trip if you make it. Yeah. and if you happen to be out there. Personally, there's still nine breweries that I haven't tried both on and off the show. So there's, there's still plenty to explore and plenty to find. And there's new ones opening up every year. That's kind of the cool thing about the craft brewing industry. And Mm -hmm. there's also ones that close. And so it's really important that if you have the opportunity to try them, you know, they are again, they're the moment, they're the moment in time. Uh, go celebrate. Go have a beer. Yeah, you know, celebrate with your your local countrymen in the state of, of Nebraska and
0: and see what they can bring to the table. I love it. So, what were some of your favorites? Um, so I'll I'll just list off some of my favorites and then I'll tell you my number one. I think that that stood out. Okay, Above hold on. The
1: rest is your number one in this list. Like, are you going to list them all and then pick one from here, or are you going to list them and then I'll say this is my number and then one? Then and then,
0: okay, I want to guess before oh you will okay then i will include my number one and you don't this. have to no okay okay um so so ones that really stood out uh race day ipa for monolithic that was that was the collaboration that josh peterson did with them um i was blown away by that that was another it's that that was one because it's a hazy ipa that that just again like that market's so flooded but you still come across some really great ones um Rays of Gold Cream Ale from Big Hair. That's the Shandy version of Fields of Gold. That was just a great twist on an already great beer. Uh, Cornhead Lager from Cross Train. That's their 1890 initiative. That one I I added to my list just because I was very impressed by how good it was for being a quote-unquote simple beer and being a a sort of a collaborative beer where they they did not mail it in at all. I thought they knocked it out of the park. Um, Cross-Eyed Bourbon Barrel Aged Cider from Glacial Till. Uh, was a really good one. That's a uh that's one that you provided. Yeah. um that I really enjoyed. Uh one we recently had, which was this one was way up on my list. Uh was the Void was the black IPA Shit. from Lumen. That was gonna be my guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. That one um it was gonna be between that and Cloak and Dagger were gonna be the two. Oh clo yeah, Cloak and Dagger where was, I was like, really I bet it's Lumen. Yeah. Um that one that beer honestly was almost perfect to me. That, that was such I it's a, on my list. Yeah, that was such a good one. So if if you're in the little Bohemia area, you can make it down there for Lumen. Um, they are absolutely worth the trip. Uh, Corn Coast Modern Melody Hazy Pale Ale. That was one that we had recently as well. That won the Great American Beer, Beer Festival Silver Medal for the uh, for the Hazy Pale category. Their other one that they won, by the way, um, I looked it up because I was I felt bad for not knowing it, but they they won the silver uh, with Juicy Midtones, which was their Hazy IPA, and that one is the one that was the huge category, like three hundred and some beers. So. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and then Monarch Gold uh, Extra Special Bitter from Salt Mine City um, was another. That's just an easy drinking session IPA. We had that one in our uh, in our conversations. That's probably the most the,
1: the most rare, other than the the Jukes. Uh, dark lager that you had. Oh, that check. Like, yeah, the dark that ESB check. was mm-hmm. was very rare on our list of beers. You don't come across that very often.
0: They're so hard to find, and I. I and they love. They're like pale ales.
1: They are. They're just the British version of it. Yeah. They're. They're. And they're so good. So good. They're and one they're of my favorite styles. Versatile. Something you can drink with a meal. You can mm-hmm. drink watching a game. It's being sessionable is just is so clutch for yes. those. So yeah. glad you brought that one up. That one is on my list as well.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. So now my number one. Gosh, your number one. Is it gonna be from 505? No, I had I had some really good ones from 505. We had some great ones from 505. Oktoberfest is okay, I
1: wanna I wanna see if I can guess. Is it someone that we interviewed? No. No. Okay. Is it a beer or is it a is it a cider? It's a it's a cider. Is it a cider? That is it help. Papa Moon, Peach
0: and Spruce? Yes. No shit, that's <laughs> on my list too. I so that one I put is my number one. Not because it's I mean, like all, like all these beers, I all the beers we have are are all phenomenal. Um, this was the one though, where it was like, where it completely opened my world <laughs> to ciders. It was, it was, this is sort of a similar, a similar experience to when we did the Raz, oh Raz uh, yeah. from Divots and was like, holy shit. Like maybe I actually like fruit beers, um, when they're done, when they're done to this level and when they're like this incredible. And so, um, yeah, their peach and spruce tip hard cider from Papa Moon. Holy shit. Like, yeah, that one was one where it was just. Mm, i could drink that all day yeah yeah it's just phenomenal um and it's locally forged spruce tips i mean I I know.
1: Like <laughs> you feel like you like next time you're in scott's you could call
0: him and be like can i come with yeah can i come <laughs> right? forage for spruce tips <laughs> with you oh man so yeah uh this was a yeah another great year of just ton, obviously like, like you said just a, a huge variety of beer yeah um and so many good ones so it's and, fun it's always fun to look back
1: and i think the 51 count isn't fair because uh, I wasn't able to track all the beers we drank during our draft with Reed. Oh, yeah. Because we did go through quite a few beers on that when we we had uh, Reed from Big Hair Brewhouse Mm -hmm. partner up with us to do our Nebraska beer draft for our first episode. Um, we also did a run of NA beers early on yep. in the off season,
0: which is a good experience. I enjoyed that. Yeah,
1: that was a neat experience. Guinness took that one by far and away. And now Joe Montana is having commercials about it. So I think that we really teed them up on that one. <laughs> they should be very grateful for being able to get Guinness into the United States. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome, Guinness. There you go. Um, <laughs> and then the different drinks that we made like with loop beer mm-hmm. when we had the unfortunate e- experience of of something going wrong with the can. Yeah. On those, we had cocktails out of them. those yeah. are some good cocktails. They were too. good cocktails. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed those. So fifty one is the is the official count if you go based on our show notes. Uh, but there's more beer out there to be had. You mentioned, let's see, uh you mentioned Big Hair. You mentioned Corn Coast, Modern Melody, Salt Mine. I just had across the board. I was very impressed with their offering and their hospitality. I, yeah,
0: I figured uh with you, I was assuming that you were going to throw out their Vienna. Their Vienna Lager. Yeah. It which was, was a really good one. Nice sweet beer.
1: All just all just rock yeah. stars and the nicest guys. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, everyone we sat down with. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that in just a second. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, And then, yeah, I had the Void, the Black IPA from Lumen. Mm-hmm. And then my last beer was Papa Moon, Peach and Spruce <laughs> Cider because it was an incredible experience. But then I also had the Acres Ale that I that I drank. Oh, yeah. And I drank that when you came back from Beer Fest. That was what I drank when you were having That's right. water in Broncos. <laughs>
0: Broncos. This is the only time I'll ever eat Broncos. It's by fair. The way.
1: It's the perfect time. Yeah, it's when when you have a, a split personality going on, and you're <laughs> like, this is this is the version of Drew that eats Broncos. <laughs> it's the the post ultimate beer fest. Uh, uh, but like I mentioned with Salt Mine, you know, we sat down and had a conversation with Salt Mine. We've had Salt Mine on the show. The guys from Corn Coast, uh, Monolithic. Uh, we've had Jukes. We've had uh Divots. We've had. um gosh we've had cosmic eye yeah and we've become very close friends with reed from big hair brew house as well who's you know less a guest on our show anymore and just now a friend that texts us mid-game to like the fuck is going on guys (laughs) like we don't have an answer
0: i will say he is he is the most like positive he's got the most optimistic outlook coming out of every single game yeah he always does he always maintains that like that that level of optimism that is uh hard to achieve at this point but he's got it so yep 505 as well on that list we sat down with 505
1: um we have been so welcomed into the craft beer community that whenever we reach out and ask to sit down uh, and have a conversation about process and the artistry and the tradesmanship that goes into beer um we're welcomed at the table with a fresh pour and these open conversations that um I think are the, are the best thing that we have done. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that they're really,
0: no, I, yeah, I have that on my, I, I listed, I broke this down. Um, that, that is my, the top. That's it. That is what I will always remember from, from this experience was the, just the, the sheer generosity of, of the people that we encountered. Um, yeah, I'm just, I will be forever appreciative of that, um, creating some really incredible experiences for me personally, um, and for you and, and, um, hopefully also allowing us to, to share a lot of their stories, a lot of their hard work, their, um, their passion and, um, and their talent and skill and everything that they give back to their communities. So yeah. that goes well beyond just the, the beer and the cider and the, uh you know, the, the drinks that they create. Yeah. What else know? is on your list of, of, um, I mean, it's, it's the top. right time to be thankful. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. Um, just, I mean, for this this past season alone, our, our, all the conversations we had. Obviously, um, getting to do a live show at Herd at was a lot of fun. Um, Ezra, my son, um, nearly unseating me at that point for the <laughs> for I mean, the co host role. It wasn't a nearly thing. He just can't drink beer <laughs> yet, oh, and, and there's it's just hard
1: to get craft root beer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, doing the doing the craft beer draft was a lot of fun. Um, something a little different that we did this year uh, unearthing my love for ciders uh, we had Papa Moon we did Curveball by James Arthur and then uh, Glacial Till as well um, Oktoberfest at 505 getting to go down to Fremont and enjoy that, that, that was their, this was their inaugural um, Octoberfest, October, and so me and my wife got to check that out definitely going to go back for that and then getting to talk baseball Yeah, in the hot corner <laughs> yeah, <hey>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know um, just a lot, yeah, a lot of fun, fun little things there. That was just from this year alone. But, um, overall, uh, getting to do a collaboration with Jeremy at, at Divots in Norfolk, oh, um, <laughs> I don't know, like that's just an all timer. Like, I, like, um, I, I would never have expected to, to do something like that ever. Like, like, and for, for, uh, and again, that's another example of just the generosity. Like Jeremy reached out to us and asked if we wanted to do that. Um And we took him up in a heartbeat um, and then showed us a hell of a time while we were out there. Um, yeah, it was just it was phenomenal and then uh you and I taking that road trip to Iowa City last year getting to, to watch Nebraska win, uh, win the heroes trophy, um, getting to celebrate with them, hoist the trophy, all that stuff like I don't know yeah just some some really big big things that gotta again they got they probably would not have been able to do or definitely would not have been able to do without the podcast yeah so
1: this this podcast has really been such a fun experiment for the past three seasons and you know when we first talked about it and it it being a way to celebrate the achievements of these young men at the university who who we cheer for and root for uh to then turn around and be a part of that celebration you know last year at Iowa City in the 2022 win uh they didn't have Cooper DeGene so you know it 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 doesn't really count (laughs) but it you know um but, it, you know, who cares that Trey Palmer is, you know, one of the best rookie wide receivers in the NFL and that he's burning corners all across the league. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They didn't have Cooper DeGene uh, being able to shit on Iowa, being able to shit on Colorado, being able to just shit on the people <laughs> that we want to shit on. Uh, whether we can back it up or not doesn't yeah. matter. But just having the, the platform in the Colorado burst, you know, eventually. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I it mean, helped. Let, yeah. Uh, being right about Tom Allen, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's always a win there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, being able to experience the things we did with those with those different breweries, um, being able to really think about Husker football on a different plane and on a different level, and talk about it on a different level, uh, bringing the things that are important to us outside of football into football, and using that as a way to kind of have our our way into it has mm-hmm. has been really fun. Um, but it's also made me realize like where my true passions are, um, and and where when I'm, I'm just sitting at a hot mic and we're just talking and trying to process things like where my mind really goes. And that's been helpful just on a personal level to just be able to have those conversations and, and just be honest and, and truthful and that sort of thing. So I very much value that. And to, to be able to do that sitting across from you has, has been a joy and and I'm going to forever cherish this, this moment. And I'm also going to forever cherish this fandom and and Husker football as a whole and this community that does podcast and continues to do this and will continue to do this, you know, we're not, we're not like walking away as the only ones who do it. Right. (laughs) There's, there's this whole world out there where, um, your favorite podcast can come and go, but there's always going to be great folks out there having great conversations. And, um, as what's the word I want to use as frustrating as it can be as a fan, as frustrating as the noise can be at times, I would rather have a fan base that remains engaged and wants to push this program and, and holds it to a high standard and wants to achieve those high standards. And I feel like we have a coaching staff in place that also wants to achieve those high standards. Um, I'd rather take that than take the disengaged uh, to have a fan base. That's been down and out for 20 years, but knows what's capable of, of this program as a whole. Like sometimes I think we take that for granted. Uh, and, and this has shown me kind of the light on that front. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say is uh, I want to give a thank you to Herdat uh, before we dive into the Iowa game. Herdat came to us at the end of last season, offered us a spot on their network. Uh, they decided to monetize our show. Uh, and through that monetization process, we mentioned it last week, we were able to donate our ad revenue. So all the funds that came in from us flipping on those ads uh, and, and doing ad reads and stuff like that for Herdat allowed us to make a $400 donation to an a organization called Beers for Everyone. And I just wanted to read there about us because I think it's it's really awesome what they do. And I'm so glad that we were able to make that donation on behalf of the podcast. So Beers for Everyone is a grassroots project that was born from the need for more diverse bodies, spaces, and voices within the craft beer community. As an ever-growing industry, it is the utmost importance to be critical of our growth along the way. We believe that more diversity in the craft beer community will ultimately create greater diversity within the beers themselves. Every one of us has unique perspectives, ideas, and experiences that we bring to the beer conversation. Now more than ever, it is time that we encourage everyone to have a seat at the table. So that's who we were able to give to. Uh, and I think that continues on the initial uh, mission statement of our show and, and puts that to good use. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm really good. We batted around a lot of ideas about how we wanted to to handle that and where we wanted that money to go. And um i'm I'm just excited i hope i hope that even though it's probably you know a small drop in the bucket um i hope it, i i hope that it's you know it's gonna go to good use i know that and it opens up some avenues for people to get to um you know bring bring something you know new and uh new to the table uh new to this community and again the beer beer community uh is very welcoming it's very open it's just it's just helping other people get involved um, is, is critical to, to just to growth and to, to all that. So I'm excited about that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That felt like a nice little, it w- yeah, that was another, mark. another thing that, yeah, yeah, it's just
0: one of those things that again, just makes it, makes it worth,
1: worth it. So. Awesome. Well, Drew, before we move on to talking about Iowa, we want to take a quick moment for the last time to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show. No wannabe walk-ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The uh, the Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska.
0: The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer, ciders, and seltzers through promotion, education, and events. The Guild is proud of the delicious brews being put out by the brewing industry and the economic and social impact they are making in their communities across the state of Nebraska. You can visit Nebraska.beer and check out the guild's
1: new website, which has excellent resources for finding Nebraska craft beer, cider, and seltzer near you. Uh, That's another thing that we should thank. You know, we went to the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild before we even had a podcast and we said we would like to represent you uh, as your official podcast. And they were crazy enough to say yes and also open doors for us to reach out to, to breweries and to have those conversations and to celebrate that. And so they've been an excellent partner over the past three years. Uh, They've made some incredible growth in the three years that we've uh, been doing this podcast, or the three seasons, I should say, Uh, as far as the self-distribution rights, distilling rights, um, allowing breweries to get their beer across the state, across state lines, get it to places that it needs to go to find its audience. I think pound for pound, Nebraska can go up against any other big boy uh, as far as the quality of beer and so it's just really nice to see a guild that continues to fight for that
0: yeah uh, yeah they're incredible um getting everybody all under underneath that umbrella um moving in one direction and and we're seeing um you know huge step forwards across the state but also within like the football community right like tying to um you know Nebraska Nebraska sporting events um, not just football but like you know all of nebraska's teams um, even outside the university system and so um it's it's just I mean sports and beer like they go hand in hand Um, and we're continuing to see those those communities build each other up and come together so
1: awesome well let's let's talk about this Iowa game and you know we don't have to take too long on it no we don't Um, the the quote that comes Mm -hmm. to my mind when talking about this game comes from a little movie from 1999 called Shakespeare in Love (laughs) have you seen (laughs) no have you seen Shakespeare in Love
0: Uh, No, I have not. Okay,
1: well, it's the story of Shakespeare writing Romeo and Juliet, and it's a complete fallacy. It's not actually how Romeo and Juliet was written. Yeah. Uh, But basically, a bet is made with the Queen of England that uh, Shakespeare can't write a play that actually shows love. At that time, theater was seen as kind of this vulgar comedy, you know, like nothing was really super deep or anything like that. And the Queen loved her farces and loved her spectacles and stuff like that uh and shakespeare was like i can write i can write a masterpiece i can make you feel with the stage and so he writes romeo and juliet as he's falling in love with a woman who is beyond his means and he's also shakespeare's married at this time but that's a minor plot point (laughs) in this movie and at the end shakespeare wins the bet however the love of his life in the in the movie uh, has to go off with a, a different lord and the that lord lord essex says how will this end and the queen says as all stories do when love is denied, with tears and a journey. And that, to me, uh, sums up how this last game felt. As I, I li- literally, and and you can clock me on this, you can verify with my wife, after this game ended, I turn to my wife and I go, God, this reminds me of Shakespeare and Love. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe it. That's why I'm laughing so hard. I said, it's it's when, you know, it's it's when <laughs> Judy Dench turns to Colin Firth, and Colin Firth is like, how does this end? It's all stories do when love is denied. Yeah. Tears in a journey.
0: Yeah, you just have this little like rolodex of quotes. You flip through him. There it is. Just
1: well, for one, that quote like sits with me. You know, there's there's like if my if my heart was a Christmas tree, that quote's an ornament. Yeah, you know, it's just always <laughs> hanging there. Yeah. Because if I'm sad, I'm like, well, this is how it's supposed to be. Tears in a journey. Here we go. That means something's good. Good is coming. Yeah. But we you know we've talked throughout the season about how we got to remind ourselves like this is chapter one mm-hmm. of Matt Rule's story at Nebraska, right? The The first act of any story doesn't end on your crescendo, right? It propels you into the rest of the story. And I feel like the fact that we got to a five win so quick, we were setting ourselves up, right? Like in 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 story writing, you you have your yes and no's. Your yes is all the positive, and then there's an immediate no that follows. Yeah. Undefeated in October, that's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you got your no. You got to face the no, right? Mm-hmm. But this is the first chapter. This is the first act. This is mm-hmm. how things begin. And if this is the third book or the fourth book in the Matt Rule series, you know this is how his first chapters always start. He's predictable. It's yeah. not the best
0: first season. I just wish it hadn't been against Iowa. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so yeah. Um, I guess my like, if you were gonna do quotes, mine is not a movie quote. It's mine's a Matt Rule quote. Um, talking about the senior class after the game, saying that they they stood in the gap. Is what he said. And, um, that's just that's who they are. They they. He, he has faith that what's happening behind the scenes inside of the program, it's headed the right direction. Like, he accomplished what he needed to and wanted to this year. Um, not all on the field, um, but behind the scenes. And so, you know, our, yeah, again, our senior class, they did not get the bowl game that they wanted, like they talked about. Um, but they... They were retooling some things, um, getting the culture right. Which culture? That's a that's a word that we hear a lot. Like get the culture right, and, and it's hard, man. It's hard to continue to buy in. But like, I I am bought into Matt Rule. I like I do trust and believe that what he's saying is genuine, and so, that he is on the right trajectory. Sorry, he, says he is. You're right. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I want to throw since we're quoting quotes here.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. I want to throw one of your quotes back into this conversation because this is something that's actually stuck with me this season and you mentioned i'm right up there with judy dench you're up there with judy dench Holy with shit. the genius screenwriter tom stoppard oh with tom yeah I don't know good old good old Tom. <laughs> rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead he wrote that is he a big shakespeare guy well i mean big fan you would think yeah I mean, having at that written point <laughs> two alternate stories around shakespeare um so probably i mean who's not a shakespeare fan that that writes play you know anyways this is getting distracted <laughs> After or, like, midway through the season, we were talking about, like, okay, what's 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 frustrating us about how Matt Rule's looking? We talked about, like, how other teams and their first-year coaches are getting off to these hot starts. TCU's went to the, the college football playoff. Deion Sanders came out, and he beat the TCU team that went to the college football playoff, quote-unquote, uh, the same team. And then he beat Nebraska, and we're thinking, okay, like, why is it so hard at Nebraska for things to get off to hot starts? And you said, I don't want the foundation built on sand. And so that's kind of sat with me, like we are not building a foundation on sand. And the things that we see as a fan, we're never going to see. You never see the foundation of a house when the house is built, right? That, that's, that's beside the point. That needs to be solid. And that's what Matt Rule always does is he makes sure that he has that solid foundation. And so I'm also bought in. And then when you look across the state of Nebraska to the state of Colorado and you see what that foundation looks like, now you think, oh, it makes sense. And then you see coaches getting demoted mid-season because success isn't happening. You see another coach announced today that he's not going to retain his contract on a certain staff. Understanders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I didn't want to be too vague. So you, you start to see like the difference in building this thing and creating momentum. And as, as hard of a pill as it is to swallow to lose you know four straight in November... When, when you see these other talking heads who do have a little bit, their foot, you know, and they're watching the construction take place that we don't get to see. And they say, no, we're, it's in a better spot. We mm-hmm. learned our lesson by not speaking up when we should have the last go around. This time we're going to speak up. And right now we feel very confident. So yeah. I give you credit on on that, on shaping my
0: perspective. I, w- I will say, I'm pretty sure this, the house built on sand is from the Bible, I think. So I don't want to plagiarize. Okay, I don't. I don't think or take co- credit, I think credit for.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think quoting the Bible is is like plagiarism. Well, you know, I
0: don't want to take credit for that, but um, but it, but yeah, you look at yeah, Colorado. Obviously, we all know that TCU. They, they're they, were, I think finished with the losing record this year as well. Yeah, um, we've seen that. And Michigan State is another one where you see these like flashes. Yeah, year one, the the new guy comes in and um. He does. They the coach does something, and the players do something that like reinvigorates. Scott Frost did it at UCF, right? Like he he flipped them in you know two years, but he t- but he, I don't know. They they do it in a way that is, it's not sustainable, um, consistently sustainable, and um, yeah. And so Matt Rule uh, again, he's following he's following his formula. Um, like you said, these these guys came off of a tough, a really fucking tough loss to Iowa. Um, did not accomplish the goals that they set out to accomplish, and still are walking away, and speaking positively about the trajectory of things and the and the and and where this thing is headed. Um, and so I know some people don't like that. Like some people are like, "Oh, if you lose, like you should be angry." But I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that that's healthy. For one, I don't like that mindset. Um, I think you're seeing again like these players reflecting their coach, reflecting that process. Um, demonstrating that growth, and uh, and again, I, I just I'm I continue to to buy into that. Yeah, um, yeah. This was year one. Yeah. And honestly, like if we, I thought about this too. If we had a so or an, a harder schedule, like if our s- schedule this year wasn't so soft, we would have been a lot closer to I think Matt Rule's record year one wise mm-hmm. um, than five and seven. Sure. I actually think five and seven record for us this year was a little bit inflated because of that so i want to i'm going to push
1: back because what do we do on this show if not push back on occasion the big 10 west i don't think was as soft as people are claiming the big 10 west to be i think there was a lot of bad football that was played but i think there was also a lot of good football and even rule called this out right where just because or like people like to look at defensive football and they call it ugly but it's not ugly. Like That's football to its core. And I think that there's a lot of coaches in the Big Ten West that believe a lot of the similar things. You look at Kirk Ferentz, who's been doing it for 25 years, Brett Bielema. You look at a David Braun who comes in. You look at Matt Rule who comes in. And the way that these you know teams shape up. And then you've got a Wisconsin who's actually growing away from it, but there were still pieces of that culture that was kind of blending into Luke Fickle. So five of your teams there. Um, I would say that Uh, Ryan Walters wants to play defensive football at Purdue, but Purdue had a lot of carryover from the way that Jeff Braun had shaped that team. Uh, And then you've got PJ Fleck, who I don't know what he wants to accomplish some years. It is power football, And other years when he has the talent, it's more of a spread and he wants to, you know, take his shots, but every team in the big 10 West wants to bleed you out in the fourth quarter, wants to line up their biggest bodies late in games and run it down your throat. Whereas you watch games across the country, And people are still taking shots on the on the coasts, you know, in the SEC, they're still fighting and scrapping away, spreading the ball out. Um, And so I kind of push back on the like, it was an easy schedule. I think that there were just there was a lot of equal footing. There was a lot of teams that were evenly matched and the ball just didn't fall in Nebraska's way due to things like turnovers. Uh, But I don't think it was sloppy play. I don't think it was bad football. I don't think it was a a, a soft schedule. It was just any game could have gone any way. And so I think that's maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's so, that's fair. Soft in the sense that like. Winnable. Yeah, like they, they these were winnable games. These, these teams didn't all finish with outstanding record. Like Wisconsin was a little bit down for who they were. Iowa obviously finished with 10 wins, but they're like becoming so much more Iowa-like, somehow like more themselves day after day. Um, you know, teams going through a lot of, of big changes like you said Purdue um Minnesota Wisconsin like all those all those teams were, were dealing with some some changes like Nebraska was and so um I guess re- like relative to what you would normally expect out of a schedule sure um with the crossover games having you know the the toughest one would be Michigan Maryland obviously was was a, a good team this year um but it, it, again, I again I think with a if you would just like if you would have just randomly drawn you know five big ten schedules from a hat, um, I think this one would have been the one that you would have wanted to get sure or cl- close to what you would what you would want in order to get to that bowl game. And so um, not easy, you're right like they they're all dog fights um, if it if anything makes it easier, it's the fact that teams do play such similar styles that week in and week out, I feel like the preparation for that, like knowing what you're getting into, um, could be useful. Uh, but I guess the the other side of that coin is like that is a fucking grind. Like it really is yeah. a grind. Um and we saw that a lot with like, you know, the injuries piling up, um with yeah, just the way that that these games got dragged out. It's 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 a physical grind and emotional grind and I'm not, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to discredit. I just want to, I, I don't want to take anything away from like what Nebraska accomplished this year. Sure. Um, I was just more saying like, we, you know, we talked about year, you know, year one, Matt Rule is like a one or two win guy. And year, year two, he's, he's a six win guy. I think that we, even though we did almost reach six wins, think that we this was a year one well yeah we, in, we, in the truest sense
1: we said that too i think on, on the show where to me this feels like a year 2a mm-hmm. and next year's gonna be 2b i don't expect the year three leap in year two with matt rule i expect a um six to eight win you know trajectory for him which is what he's accomplished in in year twos at at his other stops uh outside of uh, carolina uh, as the Panthers head coach. So I, I expect to see, you know, a bowl game next year, especially when we see who returns, when we see uh, how things are going to shape up. Nebraska has some needs that they need to address in, in you know, the, the portal and uh, turnover game and and special teams. And there's, there's a lot of stuff I feel like that needs to be addressed. And even on defense, too. I don't want to say that the defense is uh, untouchable. One of the things that I actually agreed with on the commentators, I don't know if you had a chance to rewatch the game or if you wanted to, or or whatever it happens to be. And you don't have to answer that. I'm not trying to put you on the spot and be like, I didn't fucking rewatch this shit. I did not. No, No, I'll tell you. And that's fair. I did not. Um, I I absolutely hate commentators. You could be the best in the world and I'm not going to like you. But (laughs) they were like, this this is a really interesting game because Nebraska is young Iowa right now. And I was like, I hate hearing that. Hmm. But defensively, it makes sense, right? Like these are teams that are going to build themselves around defense. They're going to shut you down. They're going to suffocate you, but they have to be able to put points on the board when when the opportunity is there to strike. Um, and and just hearing that, like people are seeing Nebraska as an Iowa, but they're seeing them as young, tells me that there's growth, right? Like other people are seeing an identity that we have been desperately seeking and searching for. Uh, and so I was just I was excited to hear that, even though it's like I don't want to be compared to Iowa, but I do like the idea that now other people outside who just look at us on a week-to-week basis as opposed to so in-depth do see what this team is and is going to become and that gave me some confidence like okay we do have an identity i'm not just putting one out there for myself
0: yeah yeah and that's something we we wanted for a long time and and that um i don't remember specific examples but it feels like there was that outside perspective kind of like what like what is what are they actually trying to do here yeah um, in the past, and so getting away from that has been great. Yeah. Um. Did you see the puns, guys? Yeah, I did see
1: that. <laughs> That's incredible.
0: That was amazing. I saw that when I saw one that said, "Uh, somebody wearing a, a sweatshirt that said chili and cinnamon rolls." Uh, delightful. How, how are you? Do you uh, do you chili and cinnamon roll? Um, I have tried it. Are once. you a, are
1: you a mixer or are you a separate? Like, you eat a bite of chili, you eat a bite of cinnamon roll.
0: Um, I don't, I don't know what I am. Again, I've only had it once. Okay, and I remember it being a less than thrilling experience. Okay. So if that if I lose a point as a Nebraskan, fine. But it's it was one of those things. It's like that for me. yeah, Not those are not the fla- those flavors don't belong together. Whether you're bite to bite or dipping or yeah. whatever. No. Well, fr- I, I
1: do want to say I'm not a psychopath. I do not put chili on a cinnamon roll. But I do <laughs> like them as a. I'm a I'm a big salty like sweet. Okay. Yeah. So I like I like having salt. I like having sweet. Uh, runza for a fast food restaurant i mean i'm not gonna downplay runza no, i love runza do. don't say bad things. their about cinnamon runza. roll has like this like sugar cracked glate, like a kind of like a brulee on top of it mm-hmm. it's a very good uh i love i love when my mom makes chili i love when my wife makes chili um but if you're ever in a pinch runza's chili and cinnamon rolls is also top notch runza not a sponsor could have been chose not to be <laughs> we never reached out they never reached out um, I mean, what, what might have been <laughs> yeah this body is built by cheese runzas and ranch <laughs> Um, are you a fring's uh, guy are you uh, every time you absolutely
0: are? will not walk away without fring's you
1: know what's funny is i used to be a fring's guy and now i'm just a french fry guy and really? i i don't like french fries this is a hot take i think french fries are trash i don't like fries runs fries are heaven runs fries are always perfectly salty perfectly crispy runs makes a perfect fry and i like onion rings but i don't want to give up fries from runza you know rings. part of
0: me wishes that this podcast would ended one episode sooner so i did not have to know <laughs> this about you <laughs> you know what else you don't like fries
1: my no God. i don't like i don't What's like fries it? okay i don't like fries okay i really don't I, I i wish someone would invent something else to go with my main dish at a fast food restaurant or something like that and i know they have <laughs> onion rings <Yeah>. or cheese <laughs> curds yeah fried green beans yeah okay fine um sweet potato fries yeah better better than fries it's just there's so many bad fries in the world Oh, like yeah. to find a good fry
0: you got to ride with it that's but that's not fair to say that all like just fries in general are garbage just because there's a lot of bad ones out there
1: can i be honest you're gonna really hate this you know who i think has the worst fries is broncos
0: no yeah broncos is yeah i'm not <laughs> yeah I'm okay. not, i don't hate that
1: okay uh shoestring I d- fries are not good i know that people really they, they're ride or die for broncos fries and they've been voted like best of omaha and stuff like that and i just i don't get it it doesn't make sense to me yeah um but for a runza french fry i would do unspeakable things (laughs) for a runza french fry (laughs) with a side of ranch
0: oh Uh, all right well for what is worth yes runza does have like for fast food they do have the best it is it is my broncos is complete garbage (laughs) which is why i only eat it after (laughs) beer
1: i'm not i'm not talking though like runza doesn't just have the best fast food french fry like I have you know, I've had fries of the world. Yeah. And Runza is like, this I wanna come home to you. <laughs> so So specifics with Iowa. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talk about Iowa. Oh, w- wouldn't golly. be us, my guy, if it didn't take us fifty minutes to get here. <laughs> uh Iowa, Nebraska's offense against Iowa.
0: Any any thoughts you want to talk about? Um golly, man. It was run run running the ball was impossible against them. Yeah. Um at that Chuba did well, uh, Distributing the ball, I think he. I think we probably had more individual receivers in this game than any in this entire season. Uh, first seven passes were to seven different receivers. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Which when you think about like the yeah, just the amount of the injuries and the attrition that has happened at that position. Um, I thought they did a, a decent job. Like obviously they were not moving the ball, they were not scoring, um, but at least he was he was finding guys and I think making some pretty good throws. Um it was the second most air, air yards we've had all year, which was nice to see. I think first was against Michigan, which was just desperation. Um it took him a little while to get comfortable, Chubba specifically. He yep. looked like he was a little indecisive on um maybe trying to make like the extra read this week. Um uh not, you know, taking off and running right away. Um the fumble that looked like it was a pass. Yeah. I, to me, I don't, again, I didn't rewatch it in, in the stadium and on the replay. I would have called it a pass. I I would argue
1: opposite that. Okay. I would. And the reason being is that the ball was loose before it was pushed forward. Okay. I mean, it was, you had to slow that thing down to like a frame. You were clicking yeah. frame by frame. And the Iowa defender got his hand on Chuba's wrist and knocked the ball loose before the forward push. So I understand why. I mean, I was screaming. That's yeah. a fucking pass. <laughs> I
0: but I understand yeah. why the
1: the call stood.
0: Gotcha. I was gonna say either way, regardless, that was one of those things where it's like, it was a it was a bad choice. We
1: okay. We didn't right. talk about the officiating in this game, at, you know, because we normally do like a little here's mm. our here's our feelies about the game before we get into specifics. Yeah, that was the fucking worst. And I'm not a I'm not a like to sit and talk about officiating. That was the worst officiating I've seen in a very long time. Uh, time after time, wrong spot. Time after time, mm, missed yep. calls. The review on the targeting call, I I am perplexed. The, that
0: So the targeting was because he was leading with his helmet, right? Like even though he hit him low? He was leading with his helmet and did not even use his arms. Yeah. He looked like, like he was doing a torpedo. pencil. Yes. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was definition of launching yeah. and leading with the head or neck area when he did not need to go low. Right. Um. He did not need to lead with his head. He could have wrapped up and and put him on the ground. So, um, yeah, and I mean that's I think stung Kemp's hands too. I mean it was, yeah, it was a nasty. He took, some,
0: he took a few hits in that game. That, yeah,
1: yeah. So, anyways, um, officiating yeah. trash.
0: And what about the was the the late hit out of bounds the unsportsmanlike? Oh my god! Don't even was get it fucking okay. started.
1: Okay, so on that one, on that one, the <laughs> Iowa didn't get you started. Yeah, the Iowa uh, was it on a, a kickoff return or a punt return? i I think it was a punt yeah right um iowa guy had one foot inbounds one foot out of bounds and the nebraska player hit him later in the game like third or fourth quarter same exact thing happened in nebraska no flag yeah it was horse shit yeah that was that was i think it was Snodgrass. um just couldn't slow his momentum down excuse me hiccup um couldn't slow his momentum down and like it wasn't like he laid a heavy hit on he hit him in the hip bounced off and moved on Mm -hmm. and the iowa player turned and went like that you know threw his arms up like it should be a flag and then the official was like you're right okay yellow is our color too (laughs) so that was fucking garbage okay so mad about that shit oh my god i was screaming like (laughs) yeah yeah i and and then um on that on that no call targeting when they reviewed it man i was celebrating i was up clapping i was yelling at my tv i was like that's right that's what you get (laughs) and then my wife
0: was like oh it's good it's gonna be good game." and then no didn't know so anyways what were you saying no that's okay i was again being i was at the state in the stadium so and didn't rewatch the game and so those are those are the things where like like, i don't know when i'm in there in person um when you don't have that like constant slow-mo replay to like really like focus in on it um you move on a lot quicker from those things because there is a little bit more question of like i don't know i didn't get a, a good look at that um so I have a much shorter memory with the officiating. Yeah, they were they were awful. Cool. Yeah. That's not surprising. Um anyway, so Chuba, yeah, he he that was a an okay game, I guess overall. Um I'd still hope I hope he sticks it out. I hope he is in the competition next year as starting quarterback. Yeah. Um my,
1: my big takeaway offensively for this game is exactly that, right? Like, I don't think that Chubba's uh, decision-making was poor. Um, the ball security was rough on the one that was a questionable pass and then the one that just squirted out of his hands when he was so running weird. Yeah, down Yeah, that the field. one was just weird. Uh, and then the the late interception, obviously. Like, there's, there's ball security and turnovers that has plagued this team, not just this season, but, you know, seasons leading up to it. I just question a Chubba Purdy who's been getting reps for it Half the season or, you know, six games, seven games is going to be a completely different Chuppa Purdy than the one who's been getting reps the last two and a half weeks. So I I look at what he was able to bring to the table against teams that we have not had success with uh, as of late, like a Wisconsin or an Iowa. And I think, you know what, I think this is a guy who, if you bring in a portal quarterback, he's going to be in competition and there's, there's 100% reason for him to stick around because the way that this team likes to run the quarterback and the way that they like to play football, your your second string is going to come in. Yeah. You're not going to have a healthy first string quarterback the entire season. So we need to have two quarterbacks who are QB1 and who are ready to play and who continue to get reps. And, and the fact that this staff is is so good at splitting reps up it, so that guys are prepared, even if they're second string or third string on the depth chart, they are ready to play. So that when they come in, um, you don't see that lapse. I think Chuba is the guy to either lead the way uh, or to be ready to go at a moment's notice, and he has the skill set to get it done. That's that's my biggest takeaway from this game: is that like we we've asked, you know, when was the defense going to have their drop off? Well, when is Chuba going to kind of show the chinks in the armor? And I think that what we saw as far as uh, his inability to move the ball at times was less on his ability and more on his preparation and his a ina- his lack of having the same preparation as other quarterbacks have had throughout this year.
0: Yeah, that was a big part of it. Um, and in this game, it was just a lack of a run game, you know, not, yeah. not having that support and still, you know, without that, still doing what you would want your quarterback to do again, just distributing the ball and, and doing what he could in the past game. Um, he did. Uh, he again, only had one interception. It just happened to be on the last play of the game again. Yeah. Um, we have two fumbles though. So yeah, it's, a it's little still three takeaways. So it's still, yeah, you know, um but a young guy um in terms of actual playing experience so we'll see what he can do uh again hope he sticks around in the offseason and ethan
1: nation also had that targeting on him when he fumbled on the punt
0: oh he did yeah, yeah i was
1: that was one that should have. like rule was even screaming like review that yeah and they didn't so just throwing that out there too so i was thinking back we had four turnovers and and uh yeah the one on nation he got his bell rung yeah uh, oh well we didn't have we had three turnovers three, because on the fumbles. on the one yeah. guy recovered yeah, yeah yeah. so
0: um yeah anyway uh jaylen lloyd you want to talk about fucking Jalen lloyd uh, what, what needs to be said every time he touches the ball he's going you know going 80 yards for a touchdown it's yeah. fucking insane but they didn't
1: have cooper to jean um <laughs> <laughs> they didn't i mean you got to qualify it they didn't have cooper to jean
0: yeah. yeah you know they still won so last year no no it doesn't count they didn't have, game, they they have, have cooper it. to yeah. gene <laughs> exactly yeah it's funny games how games lodging. only
1: count when cooper to jeans in the game
0: <laughs> just like uh fair catches
1: yeah um <laughs>
0: did you see ferris he was in the post still game? bitching about it oh
1: my god get over it old man old uh, man yells at cloud
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> god i can't stand him
1: no oh. um yeah. Uh, that. Do you think Do you think Brian refused to score 25 points a game so that he could just get away from his dad? Like, <laughs> He's just tired. Drop it, man. <laughs> tired
0: of his dad telling
1: him what plays to run?
0: Oh, man. Um, Jalen Lloyd had six kit- catches all season. Yeah. Six different games. We only ever had one catch in a game. Three times he scored a touchdown. That's a good percentage. The The least amount of yardage he had on a touchdown was 58. I mean, he he was like Trey Palmer, who who only showed up once a game. <laughs> Not like he only showed up, but like you know, he only popped off for those one a game. Did you did it ever um, make you question like, why don't we run that play again? They well, they they did, yeah. Um, and I actually th- and I think Rule said they're the last offensive play where where Chuba threw the interception. He threw it underneath. He had Lloyd, and up he top. had Lloyd yeah, up top. The it. idea was to hit Lloyd up top. Yeah. Um, or the, I think they had a, even a middle a middle guy um, beyond the chains, and he went low. Yep. So Lloyd was Lloyd was open. He had him in the zone when he mm-hmm. released
1: that ball. Lloyd wasn't. Lloyd had just made his break. Had he instead of airing one out, if he had straight shot it to Lloyd, I don't think that he scores a touchdown on
0: it. But it's it's
1: a twenty five yard game. Yeah. yeah. It it sets up. You run it. You kick a field goal. We all go home happy.
0: Yeah. That's another universe. Another world. Yeah um Do you want to talk about clock management at all? You can't talk about clock management because the fucking clock <laughs> operator
1: didn't manage the clock. Is that right? Okay, I don't know. That twelve seconds—you didn't hear about that either, did uh-uh. you? Okay, there was twelve seconds where the clock did not run. Late in the game, there was a minute twenty some seconds on the clock, and Fedoni caught a little out route uh, for about five yards. Okay, that yeah. entire play, the clock wasn't running. Oh, and the TV crew is like, "What the fuck?" And nobody noticed it. Nobody fixed it. Nobody fixed it. So there were twelve seconds left on the clock. That shouldn't have been taken off. Well, guess guess how many seconds Iowa kicked a field goal with? Yeah, seven.
0: Jesus Christ. So
1: there's there's some qu- again the officiating and all, I mean, but I guess the clock manager is a is a homer at that point. So that's
0: yeah one yeah like yeah even with that, I think I mean Iowa still would have got they had so, timeouts they still would have gotten down there and so it. rule rule has now had I don't know how many games is it would you call it three games. All the games in November where clock management has been questionable. It's, yeah, it's three in a row and it's always up against the end of a half. Either the first or the second. Um, where it's just like, they just do curious things. Like, the, the end of the first half, they had the ball with less than a minute deep in their own territory and they, they came out throwing it. Yeah,
1: instead of just running the ball, running the clock out. And in,
0: then, Or at least force Iowa to burn their timeouts and then run the clock out.
1: But Iowa well. wouldn't have... The thing is, Iowa would not have called their timeouts because the minute Iowa got their ball, they took a knee and they, went into with half. With
0: 20 seconds left in okay field position. Yeah, and so with the and with the wind, like yeah. Iowa actually was lined up pretty well. Do You'd do you think that an aggressive team would have taken at least a shot there. Sure. Um, but yeah, Nebraska, into the wind, at your own 14... Less than a minute, and they come out throwing. And the one completion they had on second down, they went out of bounds. Yeah, the the receiver, you know, made a mistake there. Um, it it was just this. It was the whole the whole thing was like, what the like, what are we doing? Like, what are you doing here? Here's how some. does this make sense? And I know we we talk about this a lot. we was like, well, you're gonna end up in they're not they're not coaching and calling for now. They're coaching and calling to develop and whatever. But like i have i have two things to say it's it drives me nuts i have two things to say okay i want to hear it
1: one okay also drives me nuts okay two had i think it was jalen lloyd was on a short crossing route Uh it was like a screen to him had he caught that and turned it upfield he's getting 15 yards the play call was not a bad play call yeah situationally it was a bad situational call like that's that's the thing that i feel like is so disjointed and frustrating is it's like the play calls are good play calls Mm-hmm. in general probably and they're they're open they're work, like they would have worked had 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 probably because i was defense like there's no way they're gonna do this uh. <laughs> <laughs> and satterfield's like well let me pull this fucking rabbit out of a hat um it it, uh, it was it was a drop pass on first down it wasn't yeah. it wasn't contested it wasn't anything it was a pass where he's crossing the field the guy's open he just doesn't hang on to the ball and so you think if if you get that in 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 certain offenses, that is a running play. You know what I mean? Like, you are right. running the ball in that sense because it's a three-yard pass. Your guy should catch that. The ball was on the money. Yeah. So I have a hard time on that one. Then you get into the second down. It's like you catch the pass. Then you go out of bounds, and you stop the clock there. And it's like, is it bad situational football in this specific game when you know that Iowa's the kind of team that if they don't have a good look at it, they're not going to risk it? Like, they just don't roll the dice? But then you got to look at a couple of games previously and you're like, is this contextual clues towards how this staff works together or are they playing it game by game, which they also say like there's so many fucking conundrums where it's like (laughs) you could, you could argue either side. Mm -hmm. Um, I just choose to say the play was there in another offense or potentially this is how this offense wants to look. I'm going to continue to defend. We're not calling plays for now. We're calling them for growth. We're calling them for the future. Uh, I've been on that horse this whole time. I'm not going to get off of it.
0: Yeah. But, and that's fine. But also, (laughs) I don't, it doesn't sound fine to you. Well, but also like (laughs) that means that in the future, this is what they're going to do. And just, and then, and just hope that they make that catch. Well, hope that they stay in bounds. Hope that Marcus Satterfield earning $1.4
1: million a year is contingent on these plays working. And if they're not, guess what rule moves on from his guys. Yeah. So I mean, okay. If this is what they're
0: gonna do, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm okay with being aggressive, but like again, there are just some. It's I don't know. I don't I don't get paid 1.4 million dollars to do anything, so I'm I don't know. I'll I'll just end it at that. Other than it's just it's frustrating. I'm not the type of person that's like, man, this guy should be fired or anything like that. Um, and I also I'm not like so bent out of shape by it that I'm still like dwelling on this thing, but it is incredibly fun to argue because like you said, there are so many arguments to be made on either side. If I'm playing Maryland,
1: I hate that call when I'm playing Iowa and Bashini's having a good game. I don't hate that call.
0: Okay. Like that. That's my, that's my, my context.
1: My defense is effective today against everything. Iowa has thrown at me. There's a chance that I give, you know,
0: I punt the ball and Iowa gets the ball at the 40 and Deacon Hill trips. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> I will I I guess to help uh to lend your argument, they don't have Cooper Dejean fielding punts. They don't have Cooper Dejean, so the um, game didn't count so anyway. <laughs> They're still what nine and two. Yeah, and we're five um, and six. We still had a chance. Yeah. Uh yeah, they don't have Cooper Dejean. Their are throw they they had no pass game whatsoever. Like their run game was good, but I think they were in a position where they would have felt Like they needed to throw the ball to get into field goal position. Yeah. Their field goal kicker was not having a good game. He was not. He, he got being benched. He got benched after half, I think, too. Um, so there's no confidence there. Um, so, yeah, like you could create and color a context where it's like it makes sense to be aggressive there. But you could also be like, even with all of those things, quote unquote, like in your favor, at least like leaning towards saying, go for it there was maybe a, a more conservative approach that would have been okay too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I know that this staff really values the first first down on a knee drive, right? And that first play call was one of those where you're like, okay, we, we complete that pass, we turn up field, we get eight yards, we get 15 yards, whatever it could be. We've got a guy who's who's burned Iowa every chance. that he has. I
0: mean, the two drops that Lloyd had the ball was in his hands. Yeah. It was a cold day, though, too. Like a lot of guys were dropping balls. Iowa had a lot of drops on their end, too. Yeah. Uh, wide open guys right off the hands.
1: But I, I look at that and I go, the first down play call, I don't hate. The second down play call is where I start to go, okay, you didn't convert on your first down. Let's see if there's something we can do on the ground. Let's run some clock. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that to me is where y- you'd have me. It's not so much the full series of calls, It's it's play by play. It should be kind of a ven- or a diagram where it's like, did this play work? Yes, okay, let's keep pushing the ball. Did this play work? No, okay, let's be conservative. Let's turn the clock. We know Iowa's not going to call their timeouts because mm-hmm. that's just not who who they are um, this year. So I don't know. I don't I don't hate it. I don't love it. I I look at it in context and I say um, I I buy it. I can buy it. Okay, that's fair. Not paying a lot for it, but I'll buy it. <laughs> so Nebraska's defense against Iowa's offense.
0: Thoughts? Uh this was this was the game where they didn't completely fall apart, but you could feel where there's like this is the end of the season. They are worn. You felt that way? With the with the way that Iowa was able to run the ball on them, yes. Late. Yep. Um Well, early, I guess. Early in the game Iowa ran the ball. One huge run. And honestly, that that wasn't even so much that wasn't even being overpowered. That was just um guys missing their assignment. There were a couple guys uh, at the linebacker and the safety positions that um, either got pulled in too, too close or missed their gap. Um, and so, yeah, they ripped off. I think that might have been the biggest run they gave up all year. It was over 50 yards. Mm. I can't remember. But um, I felt like it – It yeah, this was – I don't know. It, they, they were, again, outstanding, but they gave up those – those big runs, they gave up good chunk yardage on the ground to, uh, LaShawn, LaShawn Williams, Williams. Okay. Um, and it yeah. And this was the third game in a row where they gave up over a hundred yards on the ground. They gave up, I think four or five yards average. Um, it just, yeah, it just felt like that. Like the, in the, as far as like pass defense goes, I thought they did wonderful. Um, Iowa was in a take what we can get mode. Um, only, I think they only had one big strike on in the passing game. Um, Nebraska broke up a fuckload of passes, which was great to see. They got their hand on the ball a lot, yeah, um, including up front on the line. Um, but, yeah, just I, I think that maybe not even the whole game, but on that, the very last drive, that felt like a broken spirit defensive front because they did what they needed to do. They got Tommy Hill finally got that interception. Yeah. And then a few plays later, they're back out there. Sure. And they're like, "Holy shit, we have to stop them again." Yeah. Um. And that, yeah, that was a that was like a, I don't, I don't know how you fault anybody for giving up that run and giving up that field goal at that point. No, I I don't. I mean, yeah, I I if if you can
1: hold any team to thirteen points, your offense should be able to get you seventeen, or fourteen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't fault the the defense, and I don't fault the offense. Like, you look at the way that this offense has shaped up throughout this year. Nebraska's dealt with a lot of injury, and a lot of teams deal with a lot of injury. That's the game of football. Um, but the defense, the, the, the defensive talent that existed going into this year was very deep. And Matt Rule's staff beefed that up with their recruiting class, uh, both through the transfer portal and with true freshmen that came out playing like lightning bolts. Then you've got an offense where, there were a lot of questions on this offense last year with who are our offensive stars. A lot of questions on this offensive line who are being coached to play in a different way than your offensive line coach was expected to play, right? Like instead of being the aggressors, they were asked to be more pocket protectors in the Mark Whipple offense. And now he's finally able to coach what he knows and how to coach his guys. And we've seen that growth take place uh, over the course of this year. And this offensive line played their best football the last five games, right? Um, they just played defenses that were able to take away um things like running the ball and and the passing game and that sort of thing. Um I don't I don't blame the defense for losing the game. I mean, Iowa made one more play. You know, yeah. they they went and took the game and that's that's been my biggest gripe is it's like Matt Rule's been preaching we need to go take what is ours. And I never feel in these games that Nebraska is taking what they want. And that's my biggest complaint. Right? That's what I want to see. That's that to me is like the last mental switch that needs to be flipped is go take it. Like Deacon Hill was putting it out there for you guys. I kept that was the other thing that my poor wife had to watch this game with me. That's that's what I kept saying is like this guy is putting the ball out there for us to go take. He is tripping and mm-hmm. flipping the ball into the end zone. And it's finding the guy, like, how are we not? Dude, it was insane that
0: I'm sorry, I mean it's delicious cherry. Yeah, how's that old fashioned oh cherry? That's so fucking good. Um He was doing yeah, he would trip and almost and he would fall and he would still be able to flick it to his guy. Yeah. While our quarterback is try I don't know, trying to exchange the ball from one end to the other and fumbling. So the,
1: that's that's the stuff that frustrates me. Is it's not so much like so. I did a start, stop, continue for offense, defense, special teams. I'll just say my offense real quick. The start thing is live up to promises, run the ball first, stop turnovers, and continue developing big play, deep strike capabilities, um, and continue to develop the direction of this offensive line. I like all those those things. What have you? I like that. Um, on the defense, my start is create takeaways, mm-hmm. and that, that's been my biggest complaint. Is there's such a focus. Scott Frost talked about it, too, in his defense. Like, we're going to take the ball away. Like, that's what this this team's success predicates itself on, taking the ball away and giving the offense the ball. Well, we never lived up to the takeaway promise, and the offense couldn't strike fast like they wanted to. Matt Rule also talked about, like, we're going to be a defensive first team. We want to limit the number of opportunities uh, the other team has on offense, so takeaways are going to be crucial. As a a coach, his teams have led the nation in takeaways at times, Um, and this Nebraska defense needs to evolve towards that so start creating takeaways instead of letting them come to you a guy like deacon hill should not only have should not have just one turnover on the day especially the fact that i think that he tripped 3 times because he was slower than his offensive linemen when your quarterback <laughs> is slower than the offensive line you should be able to have a little bit more success there yeah um i think that the defense needs to stop being bullshit on third down because yeah. they do not strike while the iron is hot there and i think that comes with development um i don't think that this defensive line and the blitz packages have done enough to get home on third down and the way that tony white likes to call the defense and be aggressive um keep doing that keep keep that up uh because then when you drop eight and uh and they have nowhere to go that's where turnovers get creative where a quarterback expects one thing and you throw something else at him and now he's got to try and get rid of the ball because you got the polar bear and you got the white gorilla running at you um make him make mistakes
0: vanilla vanilla gorilla vanilla gorilla yeah. i call the white gorilla <laughs> yeah.
1: well i mean yeah, same thing but, same thing yeah. um, and then i just want to see this defense continue moving forward with this heavy rotational play i think that does a couple of things one it keeps your guys fresh but two i think it helps you retain guys like a, a ty robinson from wanting to enter the portal uh, go to a higher profile gig in their final season uh, you've got guys who maybe did not emerge the very first game but because of this heavy rotation and the need on defense to keep, you know, legs fresh. Um guys are getting in, they're playing and they're they're living up to what needs to be done. And so that was that's been my biggest takeaway for the whole year and that continued on through Iowa. It looked like whenever Iowa was looking to make a threat, we rotate guys in, they're fresh, they go out, they make a play. Um and and you know, that's all the stuff that I get excited for. So I'm not going to say no. This falls on the defense, just like you said. It doesn't fall on the defense. Um, because they're out there and they're they're fighting and you're seeing it every every down. Now, moving into year 2B, I want to see takeaways. Start taking the ball away. Yeah. Let's see that growth now.
0: Yeah. And hopefully coupled with growth on offense and they can actually do something with those, with well, those that's, turnovers. I mean,
1: that's the beauty, right, of, of takeaways is if you're taking the ball away, your offense doesn't have as much work to do, mm-hmm. right? You're giving yourself more opportunity. Imagine if Nebraska... Uh, limited by half the number of takeaways that the offense does and then increased not not by full but by by you know 50 percent their number of takeaways these are completely different ball games
0: yeah it'd be huge
1: yeah yeah so i'm not asking for the world <laughs> i'm asking for averages right like let's mm-hmm. let's stop being the most you know uh defensive friendly offense and and just start being average yeah that's all i want
0: <laughs> so little
1: um special teams last last little facet in a in a special teams game i think we had the better punter
0: it, yeah boom machine boom looked um a lot a lot better than he has recently yep um i was not impressed by tory taylor in this game yeah. uh, he when he punted uh i will say like every single ball that came off his foot looked different like they all every single ball moved differently there was one where it looked like he threw the fucking ball the spiral was so perfect and so tight through the air like it was it looked like a pass it was incredible and then yeah but every every single ball came off his foot differently so like he's very talented and he's very skilled you can see he's trying to do different things um just to create i think to create a little bit of chaos back there with punt returners never knowing what to expect so again he, he is he is hands down like probably the best punter in college football right now uh Bushini had himself a really fine game he really did he really did um he had the one where he pinned him inside the one yard oh. line which was a would have been should have been a game changing type punt. Yeah, um, when
1: Deacon Hill fucking trips in the end yeah. zone.
0: <laughs> that I thought, "Oh my god. Uh, here it is." Yep. So, um yeah, busy day for him. Um I thought he did a great job. Um our other kicker Alvano obviously had one one big miss. Um missed being out there on the field for what was going to be a fake field goal, which I thought was interesting.
1: I hate that. It's on the 60-yard line into the wind. I mean,
0: that- I don't know why if you're going to if you're going to go for it there, just go for it. Yeah. Um, don't try to th- don't try to fake them because it's not like Iowa was going to line up expecting a punt like they would have been in a in a block like safe sort of formation. So um, I don't I don't know what that was either way. That was that was that was all around interesting. Um, you'd mentioned the the fumbled punt return by Ethan Nation um, with the targeting. Uh, and then obviously two block, two blocked field goals. Huge. Yeah. Right. That, Huge. Um, you know, special teams has been a little, little hot and cold this year overall, depending on where you want to look. Um, but had four blocked kicks overall, two in this game. Um, you know, that's a if you want to find improvement there and special teams, you can look there. Um, that's about all I got. Yeah, we yeah we got, we we, got, we got them to bench there field goal kicker (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know like what i don't know what you have to do um you have to get two field goals yeah (laughs) like and then have him kick two out of bounds i guess but yeah um but for them Iowa resorted to a a walk-on backup kicker for their game winner um
1: which is the most iowa fucking thing
0: it, it was so shitty and honestly like actually when uh deacon hill knelt the ball he lost them five yards um which I like I understand like you you're just setting him up but like you just lost 5 yard like that's still that's huge 5 yards knowing your backup walk on kicker is coming in for a game winner
1: yeah on a day where it's 17 degrees out yeah
0: and there is a and yes the wind is at the at his back but it's still a wind and he barely i think barely cleared the bar i think he, he just had enough yeah um maybe, maybe not barely barely but it was i think it was a close like a low kick yeah um it was that was an interesting choice I think by Iowa to 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 be willing to give up five yards when he when he knelt that I was like holy shit I think they might have just like moved themselves out of range, mm. um, but anyway so uh, it was definitely an interesting special teams game all around yeah ups and downs
1: so like I said I had to start stop continue okay for, for this game for moving forward um you know start returning punts yeah we saw you know an attempt there. I aggression. thought that they could have been more aggressive in certain instances, though, like on that goal line stand when Iowa did have to punt. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan in those situations of sending an extra blocker back to help return the punt. I know that there's a school of thought there where it's like we've got him pinned deep if we can get a good return here. I'm in the school of thought of send the house.
0: You're going to get good. Field You're going to get good field position regardless. either way. Yeah. Send
1: the house. The guy doesn't have his normal amount of room, you know, to step back. Send the house. Don't send an extra blocker. Mm-hmm. right uh get back there in nebraska had been close a few times uh on on the pump block game so i i was a little frustrated there was hoping to see a little bit more aggression um stop missing field goals um <laughs> I, you know uh i know that ed Foley said in a recent press conference that he's got an 18 year old uh field goal kicker and he wouldn't wish that on anybody but we know that the value of, of putting tristan alvano out there time after time and saying you're our guy um i know that that confidence is there and so my stop missing field goals is yeah, it's it's in jest. We missed field goals, but um, this is indicative of this staff and their belief uh, in what they're doing out there and you know, Iowa had two blocked field goals, we had a missed field goal, had those all gone through. You're still looking at a at a 16-13 game and Iowa doesn't even need to kick that last field goal. That interception does it. Yeah. So I don't I don't put this loss on on a field goal kicker's leg no, by, not by at any all. means. Yeah. Um but I do I do really appreciate the trust that Matt Rule is like we are willing to lose to do things our way and at no point did I feel like Matt Rule changed who he was at any point in a game for good or bad clock management being one of those things where it's like what are we doing here Mm -hmm. but I also have faith that this is a guy who's going to look and and be introspective on himself and say this is how the Big Ten West plays these games and clock matters a little bit more because not everyone's going to be taking shots downfield like they do in the in the Big 12 or uh, when he coached at Temple, you know, things are different. Yeah. So um, so he'll learn, he'll grow, and he'll evolve on that too. Uh, and then continue being the aggressor. Um, that kind of goes with my uh, sending the house for a start, but continue being the aggressor on the field goal kicks. Continue to want to call the fakes. Continue to um, do what you have to do to make special teams an asset as opposed to a liability. Uh, they've They've shown that they can kind of do it, ed Foley always gets his teams to a point to where they are the aggressors uh and so continue doing that keep building on what you accomplished this year i know ed Foley said that uh that blocked kicks are contagious i don't think he just means that that's contained to this season i think that there's a starting point and again we're just in chapter one so let's see how this evolves cool cool got anything else
0: i think that i think that does it so how do you feel how do you feel moving forward uh I like I said I'm still I'm still bought into um what it is that rule is preaching um you know I trust the folks inside of the program when they say that that this is different that things are you know headed the right direction because why would I why would I want to believe anything else and uh why disagree with the folks that are closest to it so um you know I'm excited I'm excited to see where it goes um I'm with you that I think next year is going to is going to be, you know, the back half of year two, or your you know two A one A whatever one whatever you however you put it two two A two B two A two B yeah, yeah. not um not it, two B I don't know yeah <laughs> full circle yeah, full that circle was beautiful uh so yeah I'm excited to see where it goes it it it's this was a a really young team um I know we're gonna lose some key pieces especially on defense we're gonna lose a couple guys along that offensive line but. They, when Matt Rule said, um, you know, when they, the fan that was, you know, win one more, just one more, and he said he wants to win them all, and then they proceed to lose the next four. Um, they, I, like you said, I think they lost those four, not with just winning one game in mind. Um. So I'm gonna choose to look at this season like that, especially these last few games. Was this was all. Part of the process of getting to where we need to go, and that winning, as nice as those practices would have been, and getting to a bowl and just getting that monkey off your back, um, this all of these things that they're doing were necessary and will be necessary to get them to go where they need to go, to get the fuck out of the funk that they've been in the past few years. Yeah, and stay stay out of it. So, that's a good perspective um, to have on uh, on the twenty three season that's what's going to carry me through the next nine months until nothing's no you would have you would have been carried through just (laughs) fine fine you Uh, you
1: take a little bit to sulk and then we'd sign our class you'd be like i'm fucking back baby oh no
0: i will always come back around. i come back around every time um in games out of games in season out of season it doesn't it doesn't matter i will always be here hey yeah except we won't Uh, yeah we won't (laughs) but you know what i mean
1: all right well drew that Uh, does it for this entire fucking podcast (laughs) we want to thank
0: everyone who tuned in to any and all of our episodes remember to do your part drink local drinks wherever you are you can find more information on the beers featured in all of our episodes by checking out the show notes thanks again for every second minute and hour you've all spent with
1: us it's been our pleasure from the start oh and uh, as always drink big red
0: drink big red